Blog Talk Radio. I told her, I said, I hope I didn't give it to you. She said, well, it doesn't matter. She said, it don't really matter where I got it. I got it there. I'm just I've had it for two or three days, yeah. Every time I wake up, I feel awful, and then I get up and drink some coffee, and I'm okay. Well, coffee washes it all out. Paris, 
Uh, he since has moved over to Texarkana. He's over now in uh, Genoa, Arkansas, at a church called uh, Legacy Texarkana, Legacy Baptist Church Texarkana. Donnie and I went to church together when he, we were both younger. But he, I've been praying for a lady in their church. All I knew her by her name was Janie, and uh, and I knew she had a brain injury. And anyway, I've been praying last night. I asked him, I said, I said, what is the circumstances? Because she was getting better. He said, she's fixing to ask some hard questions. And I said, well, what's the situation there? He said, domestic violence. Her husband her, her husband uh, shot their baby, then shot her, then shot himself, and thought he had killed everybody. And and she's not allowed to survive. And now she's going to, she doesn't remember what happened. And now she's going to be asking questions about her, her child and everything. And now they're going to have to tell her after she survived this brain injury. So I don't know her last name, but what a horrific thing to have to live through. And and to come out of come out of that injury and face. So please pray for that young lady. Her name is Janie. That's all I know. But please lift her up in prayer. I just it just hurt my heart ever since I I read that. Um, any others this, this evening? They pray for Mary. She's sick too. <clears throat> pray for Scott. He fell and and uh, he said he had to have the ambulance come over and help him up. <clears throat> um, anybody else? Yes, Miss. Yes, ma'am. Pray. Yeah. All right. We'll, we'll be praying about that. Sure enough. Anybody else? All right. I've got a number of unspoken ones. I'm sure we all do. You got anything, sister? All right. You having surgery next Tuesday? What time? Twelve o'clock. Okay, in China. We're gonna be praying about that. Praying ahead of time for the doctors and nurses, and praying for everybody. Praying for you. Praying God just handles this, takes care of it. He's going to. All right. Well, let's let's go let's go to the Lord tonight in word of prayer. Let's ask God to meet with us. We all have something real. I thought somebody okay. I thought somebody said something. All right, Robert made us prayer. Amen. You can be seated. And then I cried, dear Jesus, 
one more song, amen. We're going to sing 220, He Leadeth Me. He leadeth me over every thought, over with every comfort brought. God has <coughs> God and that leadeth me. He leadeth me, he leadeth me, by his own hand he leadeth me. His faithful power I would be, for that his hand he leadeth me. Sometimes it seems the deepest, sometimes we're eaten by by water still more God operates according to His Word. He don't operate according to our will 
or our feelings or our happiness or whatever we want. God operates according to his word. Amen? And if, and, and if somebody thinks that they're going to get him to do otherwise, they're fooling themselves. Amen? Take your Bible tonight. I want you to turn with me to Proverbs chapter 21. Proverbs chapter 21. Uh, we're going to look there in six verses tonight. We, we, this, this chapter has 31, so we'll split it up into five different Wednesdays, six verses apiece, except the last one. We'll do seven on that night. <coughs> Proverbs 21. 21. <coughs> i got to find it myself, y'all. Proverbs chapter 21. We, we we really move pretty quickly through the book of Proverbs. Uh, I know it don't seem like it, but it does to me because uh, we're nearing the end and we're going to find somewhere else to go we leave here. But uh, praise God. I'm looking forward to where God leads us to go. Proverbs 21, verses 1 through 6. And again, we're, we're talking about our conduct, our way of life and our conduct. We talked about... The, the contrast between the foolish and the wise forever, for a long set of chapters. But now these chapters we're in now, they're all focused on a person's way of conducting their life, the way they the way they conduct their life both with God and with men. Amen? So let's go ahead and let's just let's do the Lord and ask him to meet with us tonight. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, I come before you and I need you tonight. Lord, I, I don't come just because it's time to pray. Lord, I come because without you, I'd be an absolute failure. <laughs> Lord, my, my body doesn't feel its best. I feel tired. Lord, my mind is not as clear as it ought to be. But I pray tonight, Lord, that you can, I know you can do anything. And, Lord, I know physical limitations don't limit you. So I pray tonight, Holy Ghost of God, that you will use me for your honor and for Christ's honor and glory. Lord, that you'll let me be an instrument of honor for you. Lord God, that you speak not only the hearts of these that are immediately in the building with us, but Lord God, that you touch lives and hearts of those who are listening in tonight and will listen in the future. Father God, I pray the word of God, and I know it doesn't return unto you void. I pray that, Father, it has power, and Lord God, that it, that it divides, Lord, like it says, it divides, divides asunder the soul and the spirit, the bones and the joints and the marrow. Father, I pray, Lord, you do your, you do your work and you achieve your goal. Lord God, bring people to your truth and bring them in, in submission to it. Bring them, Lord, in conviction and, and a brokenness, Lord, over sin. And bring us to repentance, Lord. Bring us into your will. I pray tonight, Father, you work through your word now. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right, beginning here in verse 1. I've heard this verse all my life. The king's heart is in the hand of the Lord. As the rivers of water, he turneth it whithersoever he will. I've heard that all my life when he was a bad leader, a bad president. I remember, I remember when uh, Jimmy Carter was running the country into the ground. Y'all remember that? Terrible inflation. Gas prices went through the roof. He was going to be such a good one, too. Y'all remember? He's a born-again Christian, everybody said. He was... Oh, he brought in the most new world order people the world ever seen in our government and, and absolutely like to ruin us. But people say, oh, well, God, you know, but God raises them up and God sets them down. That's what that's what we've heard all our life, and it's true. God is in control. When we look at the political landscape, we, can, we sometimes we'll scratch our heads and go, well, how can God be in control of that mess? It's called judgment. Amen. To us, it looks like a horrible mess. To God, it's like everybody's in timeout. Everybody's lined up to get a whooping at the front of the office. Everybody's getting exactly what they deserve, and God is metering it out, and God isn't making no mistakes. God's giving everybody exactly what they deserve. Amen? And thank God he's not a cruel God, or we'd all be dead. Amen? Because I can tell you right now, there's enough national sin in America for God to just go on and just wipe this thing flat. That's the honest to God truth. You say, well, I'm not guilty of it, but we live here. And we ain't cried out against it. We ain't, we're not sitting around in sackcloth and ashes begging God to have mercy on us either. Amen. I don't know what you say. How you get off on this? I don't know. God wanted me to, I guess. Amen. But let's look at it. Let's, let's look at the scripture tonight. The king's heart is, the king's heart is in the hand of the Lord. 
God holds and can guide a human heart. I got to think about that. He does that, and yet he doesn't violate his will. It's amazing to me how God works. The Bible talks about how he works in the strange way. God, the movings of God are very, are very non-noticeable, I guess is the only way I can put it. God moves in ways we don't even recognize that he's moving. But God does that. And, and he, he can take somebody who's bent on being one way and end up turning them into something else, end up turning them in a direction that they never intended to go. And if God can do that with somebody as powerful and as noble as a king, he can do that with anybody. He can do that with any man If he's able to do it with a king, I mean, consider it. Kings are not, kings are not usually easily swayed because they're the one in charge, right? Um, he turned the heart of Pharaoh to Joseph, didn't he? Right? He turned the heart of Saul to David. He turned the heart of Nebuchadnezzar to Jeremiah. He turned the heart of Daniel and Cyrus. Uh, afterward, he turned Alexander the Great, his heart toward the Jews, and some of the Roman persecutors, their heart was turned toward the Christians that they were persecuting. God is able to do those kinds of things. And, of course, God's able to deal with the king. Because, again, he's the most powerful of the human beings on earth, and, and, and God is able to, uh, to deal with their heart, which is the freest member in a person. I do what I want to do. I, live, I do what my heart wants to do. That's what people say. I just follow my heart. Now, I posted about that on Facebook. That is destroying marriages and homes and, and lives and everything you can imagine. By somebody saying, I'm going to follow my heart. You'll follow your heart right down the road to hell. The human heart, the Bible says, deceitful above all things. Your heart will lie to you. You can lie to yourself. And you think, boy, I'm right. I'm right as I can be. No, you're absolutely wrong and you just tell yourself lies. You can't trust your heart. Anybody tell you to follow your heart, you tell them, get behind me, Satan. <laughs> They're lying to you. Right? Like Jesus said to Peter, get thee behind me, Satan. No. Children in kindergarten today, I guarantee you, see more today in, in, in Red River in Red River School, uh, what am I trying to say, uh, in, in, in the Red River School system, some, some teacher, some more to a little child, that's the that runs contrary to God. But again, God is able to take change that heart. God's able to guide that heart. And, uh, you know, again, he's able to deal with the king's heart. He rules even the most free and powerful of all human beings. And I'm going to tell you, this ought to increase our faith that God can guide somebody and change somebody's heart. We look at somebody and say, there's no way God can do something in that person's life. Oh, yes, he can. If God can make Pharaoh, can he do God knew how to do it. Took a lot of pride, didn't it? Took the death of his firstborn son, didn't it? God knew what to do in order to bring it to pass. God was able to change his heart, although his heart was rock and hard as stone. God was able to do it, and uh, and God, you know, we we, we look at somebody and again, they get discouraged, but don't get discouraged. Because we see the stubbornness in people, we see the hardness of people's heart, and the way their heart their hearts hard against God in His will. So I don't want to part of church. I don't want to. Do, I don't follow that Bible. I'm going to do what I want to do. But again, if a king's heart's in the, in the hand of God and he can guide it wherever he wants, he can do that with anybody you know. And uh, again, he names kings. And the reason he names kings, again, not, not, to, not to put the emphasis on them, but to say if he can do that to them, he can do that to anybody. And, and it says in the second half of that verse, <coughs> it tells how he does it. It says, as the rivers of water, he turneth it whithersoever he will. In other words, he, ter- he turns it wherever he wants to. And again, the, the idea of the rivers of water and all that, that's an analogy that, God, that, that God's given through Solomon here to illustrate how God's able to guide a man's heart. And, and you know, if you want to move a river, you don't have to physically carry all the molecules of water to another place. All you do is, is you, you shape the mics different. 
That's all you do. You just shape the banks different. And as you shape the banks different, you're guiding the direction of the water. And as you guide the direction of the water, water's going to go wherever, where you direct it. It's going to go wherever the bank's direct it to go. And, God, again, God doesn't have to come in and violently do devastating things in somebody's life in order to guide their heart. He does it through arranging circumstances, just like the banks of a river, to, to cause that person's will to flow where he wants it to. You take, you take in the Bible, there, there's an example in Isaiah chapter 10, verses 6 through 7, of the Assyrian king here, God says, I will send him against the hypocritical nation and against the people of my wrath, and I will give him a charge to take the spoil and to take the prey and to tread them down like the mire of the streets. He's saying, I'm going to cause this wicked king to do this for me. Howbeit he meaneth not so. He doesn't even know why he's doing it, please say. Even though he's doing it, he doesn't even know why he's doing it. Neither does his heart think so. He doesn't even feel like doing this in his heart, but he's doing it. Against his, against his own reasoning because I'm guiding him in that direction. He said, but it's in his heart to destroy and cut off nations, not a few. He said, God said, I know that this man is a ruthless man. I know this man is a killer. He's a destroyer of people. And so I'm going to guide him to do my work. So God, again, he's using the Assyrian king who was a, who was a foreign king, somebody that wasn't somebody that would be favorable toward God, and God is using him to do Israel's dirty work. Amen? And he's, and he's not forcing him, he's just guiding him. Or if you, you can look at what the Bible talks about Abraham back in Isaiah 41, uh, verses 2 and four, through 4. It says, who raised up the righteous man from the east. You know, where did Abraham come from? He came out of the east. He came out of the earth, the Chaldees. It's over by Babylon, okay? And it says, and called him to his foot gave the nations before him and made him rule over kings. He gave them as the dust to his sword and the driven stubble to his bow. He pursued them and passed safely, even by the way that he had not gone with his feet, who had wrought and done it, called the generations, calling the generations from the beginning. I, the Lord, the first, and with the last, I am he. God called Abraham and said, I'm going to make a, uh, I'm gonna make a great nation Right? And he's not talking about God did all those things necessarily to Abraham. He did all those things for the people that he created a nation out of. And God did that. God did every bit of that. You know, everything that happened when the children of Israel went into the promised land, all the, all the kings, all the, uh, the, the kingdoms they defeated, all that, God steered every bit of that. That wasn't them doing that. That was God guiding them. And God's able to do that. And then you take in Ezra chapter 7. 21 through 23, the story of Artaxerxes, I can't really say that. He said, even, and I, even I, Artaxerxes, the king, to make a decree to all the treasures that are beyond the river, that whatsoever Ezra, the priest, described as the law of the God of heaven, shall require of you, it shall be done speedily, unto a hundred talents of silver, unto a hundred measures of wheat, unto a hundred baths of wine, and to a hundred baths of oil, salt without prescribing how much, Whatsoever is commanded by the God of heaven, let it be diligently done to the house of God of heaven, for why should there be wrath against the realm of, his, of the king and his sons? He's willing to do whatever needs to be done to the children of Israel. All these are examples of kings who, in pursuing the courses of their life and their kingdoms, they ended up either watering or fertilizing Israel. I'm, I'm saying, not literally, but I'm saying what their actions did, it was a blessing to the, to the nation of Israel. And all that happened because God's in charge. And God's able to steer those in leadership. God's able to steer who he wants to. And this principle is still in force. God's still able to do that. You know, a farmer, he's got a bunch of fields out there. He's got them way over here and way over there. How's he going to get the water to them? He's got to use irrigation. He's got to, he's got to channel the water to them. And, again, it's the same thing. It's the way it works with the Lord. The Lord channels his, his blessings to wherever he wants it. And that, you know, you know what that tells me? That tells me it don't make no difference who's in the White House. That tells me it don't make no difference who's in the Supreme Court. It doesn't make no difference who's in the Congress, who's in the Senate. God is supreme over all of it. That's Supreme Court, like Chad said up here Sunday, that ain't supreme. Hey, listen, God's supreme. Amen? And God is truly the King of kings and the Lord of lords. And ain't nobody going to tell God how it's going to be. God's going to direct and rule who he wants to, how he wants to. Verse 2. Every way of a man is right in his own eyes, but the Lord pondereth 
the hearts. Boy, that first part, so true. Every way of a man is right in his own eyes. Our own human nature is justify ourselves. I'm right, it's me. Of course I'm right, it's me. I look at Miss, I'm right. Don't you think you're right, sister? Always. How many of y'all are here feel like y'all are right most of the time? You know, it's a contradiction. We can't all be right on time, can we? But we feel like we are. <clears throat> Sometimes we do this sincerely. We think we're right when we're not. We justify ourselves. Sometimes we do it because we've been deceived into thinking we're right. But stubborn pride makes us generally think that whatever we're doing, we can do no wrong. Even when it's causing great harm to ourselves and those around us, because it does, we can't be wrong. Come on, God. <clears throat> he, he, he knows. You know, we, we can be all the we have all the confidence we want to have in our own way. But man, I am right. I know I'm right. I feel right. I just believe I'm right. God knows whether you're right or not. You ain't fooling Him. We justify things according to our hearts. You know, you say, well, I just did what I felt like was right. I just did what was right in my heart. I, that's what I did. Again, I mentioned about that heart a while ago. It's, it's deceitfully wicked above all things. It's like a rotten bag of pus is what it is. I know it's, just, it ain't, it's not your muscle. It's your inner being. It's your thinker. I understand. It's, it's the part of you the decision maker, what we're talking about, your heart, what you, your will, what you choose, how you choose to live your life. That's what we're talking about, not the muscle in your chest. But, but the part of you, you're, again, your governor, your decision maker, that part of God knows that part of you. God knows you're not just what you felt was right. That's wicked if you are, because it ain't about your feelings. I think it was Martin Luther that wrote that little poem that said, "Feelings go and feelings uh, feelings come and feelings go and feelings are deceiving." My warrant is the word of God. Naught else is worth believing. You can't rely upon your feelings. Your feelings are connected to your flesh. Your flesh is wicked. Your flesh is, is full of sin, and so you can't go off of your feelings. These people tell you, well, I, I know I was born in a boy, but I feel like a girl. You can't go off of feelings. It's like I read the other day, I thought it was pretty funny. It said, you know, there's a button on the microwave that says potato, it, it, and there's a button that says pizza. You can put a pizza in there and hit the potato button, but it's still a pizza when it comes out. And that's the way that gender thing works, too. It doesn't matter just what you do. You still... What you are when it's all said and done. And so if you think you're different, you're lying to yourself. Amen. But anyway, some people say, well, I just followed my heart. I just followed my heart. I, I, I just I just do whatever to do. They told me that in two years. I followed my heart. That's what I'm doing. <laughs> Most of them would be wrong. They said that again. They've been telling that their whole life. You tell a kid that enough, they're going to believe it. But no, you never follow your heart. So I said, well, I'm just trying to be happy. There's a lot of people trying to be happy, and they try all kinds of things to do to be happy, but it don't always line up with God, does it? No. Uh, you know that, that, I know that's in the, what is that, the Declaration of Independence? Now, where, is that, well, that's where that's in. It's not in the Constitution. It's in the Declaration of Independence. Well, it says we, 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 have, we have these these rights, you know, the right to, 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 to life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. Now, <clears throat> understand that. It said the pursuit of it means you can chase it. Catching it is a whole different matter. The problem with happiness is it depends on other people. I, 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 know, I know you've heard me say this before, but I'm, I'm trying to, you know, use that same thing about nine times where it sinks in. And happiness depends on other people. So you you can come in and, 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 and and talk sweet to me and, and shake my hand, look me in the face and smile and be pleasant. We'll have a great conversation. And I walk away thinking, well, they were so nice. That made me happy. Or you come in and curse me to my face and, and, and talk all kind of ugly to me and, and slap me across the face and walk out of here mad as the devil himself. And you guess what? I'm not going to be happy when you leave. So happy is based on you. It ain't based on me. Hey, joy is based on 
what's down inside of me. Joy is based on my relationship with God. And that's what I need to be in pursuit of. I need to be in pursuit of joy and quit worrying about happy. Happy is circumstantial. Happy comes and goes. People need to quit searching after happy and chasing after happy. They need to start chasing after God. Amen? Amen. I thought I'd just throw that in there tonight. Amen? So, again, the Bible said the Lord pondereth the hearts. So what does that mean? That means the discernment of the Father goes far beyond exposing and discovering those who are fooling themselves. He even exposes, uh, I mean, exposes, I'm sorry, I said that wrong. The discernment of God, it goes far beyond exposing those who deceive other people. That's called an epiphany. Oh, I was doing myself in. Most people don't even see that. You know, again, I don't, I don't know. They, they, alcoholics, they have this. They, they have a term for it. They call it a moment of clarity. And they realize they're destroying their life. And, and it's at that point you realize you're the guilty party. It's got, you know, you know who else had a moment of clarity? If you want to call it that, the prodigal son had one. Down on his knees at the at the trough in the pig pen. When he, the Bible said he came to himself. Amen. And God will, God, God will do that. He pondereth the heart. He means God stirs around in a man's heart and exposes. When, when listen, you say, how does that happen? Somebody's praying for that man. Somebody has sick the Holy Ghost of God on that man. So the Holy Ghost of God is stirring around in that man's heart and pointing out that sin. The man goes, oh. I'm hurting myself and other people. I need to get right with God. That's how that happens, amen. And God, God again, God, I'm thanking God for his diligence. Because if God hadn't been so faithful and diligent with me, I, I, I've been dead today. Because if it weren't for God's Holy Spirit stirring in my heart and showing me, exposing to me where I was wrong, where I was sinning against him, I probably wouldn't have turned around. But thank God for conviction. Amen. Thank God for the Word of God and, and, and the Holy Spirit working. Verse 3. To do justice and judgment is more acceptable to the Lord than sacrifice. To do justice and judgment. Look at that first. Doing justice and doing judgment. That's that's referring to the way that you and I treat other people. Okay? If we're just, that means we're fair, right? And And this is talking about we call it our horizontal relationship, all right? Me and you. This our vertical relationship would be us and God. But our horizontal relationship is how we deal with each other. And, and, and you know what? You might not think that is our relationship with him. If we don't have a proper relationship with each other, we can't have a proper relationship with him. Amen? If we, I mean, the Bible tells us it means that we have the right kind of relationship with each other. And, and God wants us to do justice and do righteousness in this world. The Cambridge Dictionary describes to do justice is to treat someone in a way that is fair and shows their true qualities. In other words, being honest and treating people fairly. And what is that? That runs parallel to what we call the golden rule. Do unto others as you have them do unto you. That's treating people right, treating people fairly, right? God just wants us to treat people right. God just wants us to represent him right. We're his child. You know, I, I, I can tell you, I don't want you and my children to grow up in. I don't want you and my children to grow up in their lives. I want my kids to be upstanding citizens and represent our family name right. I do. I want people, and, and I thank God. I'm going to say this. I thank God. I, I got three of them work the same place, and they brag on it. And I'm thankful for that. Amen. Now, you, you just have no idea what good that does to my old daddy's heart. See my boys doing good and working together. But there's people who's got kids who, who, who just run buck wild and do stupid things and get themselves in all kinds of trouble, and it breaks their heart. Amen? It breaks their heart. And it breaks God's heart when we, as his children, are abusive to people who ought to be loved. We're right. 
some of the cruelest people to the people closest to us. We treat the people that God's put in our lives to love and reflect his mercy and grace to We treat them like go on the bottom of our shoes sometimes. God help us if we can't do no better than that. You know, if you wonder how important it is to him that you treat other people right, listen to what he said. He said it is more acceptable to the Lord than sacrifice. <clears throat> now, animal sacrifice was a way to walk into a right relationship with God back in Solomon's day. You you went with your sacrifice to the Okay? And I mean, you have to make sin offerings and things like that for chapter year, but I mean, you, you went on the day of atonement, and again, that lamb represents Christ. And, and again, this is important. And that, that, was, that, was, that was making sure that their vertical relationship was correct. Right? This is before Jesus died on the cross. This is all pointing toward him dying on the cross. Again, they came to get their hearts right with God. And, and 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 God says here that how we treat others is more important than them performing religious uh, ceremonies such as sacrifice. God says rather than you come and you come into me and said, Oh Lord God, I want to be right with you, well God still sees that mess up that you left undone. I think about what's you know, like I said, Chad talked about Sunday. He mentioned he mentioned the Good Samaritan, and uh, you know, you think about the priest and the Levite. They missed this truth. What are they on their way to? If I touch him, I'll leave a mile. I can't go do my duties in the temple, so I can't touch him. i got to go take care of God's business. I can't take care of that right now. That's their attitude. So what are they saying? Hey, my relationship, my vertical relationship with God's more important than my horizontal relationship with this fellow right here. So I'm going to overlook him and go do business with God. That's exactly what I said don't do. And that's exactly what God's saying don't do. Because what? The Samaritan, he came, and he came, and he signed that compassion on him. He said, you know what? I need to help this man. What put it in his heart to help that man? God put it in his heart to help that man. We trip up on the letter of the law, and he misses it. <coughs> Verse 4. got to hurry. We won't run out of time. Verse 4 says, a high look and a proud heart. And the plowing of the wicked is sin. Always like this verse. <clears throat> a high look and a proud heart. How's a, how's a proud heart get displayed usually? Usually with a haughty look. Looking down on Look at them up there. How dare they? How dare, who do they think they are? That proud look. I, I don't like it. And, you know, there's no shortage of proud looks. There's no shortage of haughty looks in this world and proud hearts. They're everywhere. People like that all over the place, you know. And and we're all made out of the same common stuff. It's no surprise we there are people like that. God made us out of the dust of the ground. That's that's what we're made out of. I can tell you tonight, if you were to take your pocket knife and peel a little skin off your finger, and, and, and lay it on the table, give it a day or two, go back by and just kind of rub it. It'll just turn to dust. That's all you're made out of. Dirt and moisture and God's power. That's what you're made out of. And so in the end, you're a dirt ball. I know you don't want to hear me say that. I'm no dirt ball. Yes, you are. Look at your essence of what your body's made out of. Dirt ball. Right? One dirt ball... Steps back and looks at another dirt ball, 
and says, I'm a better dirt ball than you are. In the end, both of you still get the dirt ball. So how dare one get cocky over the other one about being a better dirt ball? And, and, and this sin is just going to express itself. It expresses itself on so many levels in so many different forms until God reveals to a man that he's that way. And until God shows a man that he's proud and full of haughtiness, he never even notices. He never even thinks it applies to him. Most most proud people, now get what I'm saying here, most proud people are so proud of being proud that they don't even know they're proud. You say it one time, I like that. Most proud people are so proud of being proud that they don't even know they're proud. Proud people don't know they're proud, they don't. But God knows it, God sees it. You know what, somebody who's not full of pride sees it. And it offends him, person, to see somebody act that way. <clears throat> so we know there's lots of proud people. We know there's arrogant people. We know there's people who look down their nose at other people and think they're better than other people and all that. So what's the second half of this verse? So he said, a high look and a proud heart. Well, I understand those things are sin, but God says the plowing of the wicked is sin. The plowing of the wicked. All three of them are called sin. The look their heart, and their plowing. What is plowing got to do with any of this? God is saying even the hard work of the wicked is regarded as sin before God. Why? Because they pride themselves in their ability to work hard. They pride themselves in the strength to get it done. And they pride themselves on their skill in doing so. They're full of pride in everything they do. And they don't stop and thank God for the provision of the rain that he sends to bring the garden to fruition. They don't think about that. They don't think about the harvest that's going to come and how God is the one who supplies the ability for it to grow. No. They just think it's them. And they take pride in it. Adam Clark said the prosperity and the, and the posterity of the wicked is sin. It is evil in the seed and in the and evil in the root, evil in the branch, and evil in the fruit. They are full of sin themselves, and what they do is sinful. When you ain't right with God, nothing you do can please nobody. Not in God's sight. Verse five, I gotta hurry. Thoughts of the diligent tend only to plenteousness. But of everyone that is hasty, only to want. So the thoughts of the diligent only to plenteousness. <clears throat> um, let me read that one more time. The thoughts of the diligent tend only to plenteousness. Uh, I ain't gonna lie to you about something. There, there's one thing in this world. I see something. One thing I can see, and boy, I just go get covetous and when I see somebody with a really good garden, boy, I get jealous. I say, man, I wish I could grow some okra that tall. Good night, look at the size of them squash plants. Look at them. they got squash all over. Man, look at them tomatoes. Boy, I just get jealous. I do. It just goes all over. It's like, why can't I garden like this? Because I'm going to be honest with you. I've tried. I set out to be a master gardener. I wasn't a nothing gardener. I've tried my best. And I still stink at it. You know what I think my problem is? I'm not a good planner. I'm not a good planner. I stink at planning. You know, if I was a good planner, I'd probably be out there working the dirt at the right time and putting the right things in the dirt and making sure everything was done according to schedule. And man, but I, 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 I'm haphazard and I, and I do things on a, on a whim sometimes. And you know, you just can't. It has to be done right. And that's my fault. That's my fault. It ain't nobody else's fault but mine. And I know that. Because success or failure is all in the planning. And I know that. So when good planning is combined with hard work, there'll be a harvest of plenty. Right? But the Bible says in the second half of that verse, it says, but if everyone that is tasty only to want. You know... The person who wants to avoid work, find shortcuts, cut corners, will find failure instead of plenty. That path leads to poverty. 
Bible says everyone is hasty. Talking about everyone that's hasty. Well, you know, we're talking. This verse is this verse is talking about someone being someone being diligent in how it, it blesses them, and and the Bible talks about in other places. It talks about uh, people who who end up not having anything work out. In Proverbs ten four, it says, "He becometh poor that dealeth with a slack hand." But the hand of the diligent is rich. Uh, it says in Proverbs twelve twenty four, the hand of the diligent shall bear rule, but the slothful shall be under tribute. The slothful man, verse twelve twenty seven says, the slothful man roasteth not which he took in hunting, but the substance of the diligent man is precious. The soul of the verse uh, chapter thirteen verse four, the soul of the sleeper desireth and hath nothing, but the soul of the diligent shall be made fat. <laughs> In those verses there, the diligent person who we're talking about here, he stands opposed to the lazy sluggard who doesn't do anything on time. And, and but but here he's, he's we're showing the difference between the diligent not in the lazy man, but in the man who does things too quick. He makes quick decisions without thinking things through. So God is comparing the diligent man. The diligent man is the one who thinks. and don't jump the gun and do things too quick or do things where you think it ought to be done. Do it right and according to God. The lazy people are malfunctioning in their actions and the hasty are malfunctioning in their thinking. And lastly, verse 6. Verse 6. The getting of treasures by a lying tongue is a vanity tossed to and fro of them that seek death. <clears throat> the getting of treasures by a lying tongue. You know, I guarantee you, somebody preaching this verse of Scripture in 2023 will approach it differently from somebody who would have preached it in 1973. In 1973, <clears throat> we would be talking about people who were trying to swindle somebody in a business deal somewhere. In this day and time, it's people who call you on the phone and try to steal something, or people who try to do it cyber attacks, things of that nature. You got a, you got you got people all over the nation of India and Pakistan who spend their day all day long calling people, trying to get them to uh, do some uh, long drawn out process. Basically, there's the IRS scam, which is real prevalent, very popular, where they tell people that they 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 owe the IRS. They sound like Krupa who came in here. They don't sound like somebody from here, which confuses people. But they said, "No, we we from the IRS. We, we, you know, they they got a they they know their story, and they'll argue to the death with you." And so the scam is, well, you've got to pay this now, or we're going to get you arrested. So the way they make you pay it, they say, "Well, you got to go to a Target, or you got to go to a, this, that, the other. Usually, it's a Target, and buy a gift card and send that gift card." And, and 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 that's how they get the money. Well, you can't trace the gift card, and so they steal from people. Uh, I, I go through bank drive-through. I see in the signs in the window. Don't fall for bank fraud. Don't don't. If they're asking for your social security number, don't give it to them over the phone. Don't give out any banking information over the phone. Why is it? What are we talking about? We're talking about people getting treasures by a lying tongue. That's exactly what we're talking about. That's his. That's his current. The Word of God is as current as anything. God's Word does not change. And people, human nature, sin does not change. Techniques change. But the heart of a man is the heart of a man. And they're going to do what they're going to do. Stolen identity. I watched a video from a lawyer just two, three days ago. Told this story. He said, I'm driving down the highway and I get a phone call from my son. It is his voice. 
in an accident. I think my nose is broke. I hit a woman. She's pregnant. They carried her to the hospital. I, they're arresting me. I, 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 I don't know what to do. I need help. And he gives him the number of a lawyer. He calls the lawyer. Lawyer says, yes, sir, your son's in jail. He said, I'm, uh, he's been in contact with me. And he, he tells him, he says, you know, you need, you need to put up what's called, you can put up what's called an attorney's bond and get him out. He said he, he was arrested on, on, on uh, he was drunk, he'd been drinking. He said, how long did my son doesn't drink? He said, yeah, he told me that. He said he, said he had an energy drink that morning, and that may have been what caused the, the fluctuation in the thing. Well, anyway, he, he was going, he was going, this this guy told him said he said you know you've got to be able to put up a bond or whatever and he said he said there's something called an attorney's bond he said well I'm an attorney he said I and he was instructing him how to get the payment through so he could get his son out in the middle of that phone call he got another call and it was his son he took it and his son said it was a, it was actually it was a, a FaceTime his son said I know it broke I'm fine. AI technology, they had sampled his son's voice. It was not his son at all. Be careful. I say that to tell you today. Be careful. Somebody may try to clean out your bank account by claiming it's one of your kids. Don't take anybody's word for it. They can sample, they can sample your, your, your relative's voice, run it through a computer, and, and put it right back to you, and it sounds exactly like them. I mean, exactly. I've watched commercials on my phone where I know it's the person, it's an AI version of that person, but it looks real. AI is artificial intelligence. That's the computer doing all of that, generating all of that. And all of that stuff happens. Why? Because people are trying to get rich by lying and scamming other people. The Bible has something to say to every one of them. And I wish every one of them was listening to me tonight so I could tell them. The Bible said it is a vanity. That means it's empty. It is a vanity tossed to and fro of them that seek death. You know, people that play it. What is, I picture kids tossing a ball back and forth. It's a vanity. It's something they think is going to do them some good. They're just playing around with it like they think it was. But the Bible said it's tossed to and fro of them that seek death. They hope for great treasure. By lying words, and that is a dream of those who are on the path of destruction. If you think you're going to make it rich and get wealthy by stealing from innocent people, oh, my goodness, you're an idiot. <clears throat> God does not play that way. God does not fool around like that. God is, I'm going to tell you right now, they better hear me good. If they can hear me, if somebody can hear me, it's talking about doing somebody wrong. I'm going to tell you something. God is the God of the innocent. God is the God of those who cannot defend themselves, and God will cut your legs out from under you, neighbor. You better leave them alone. God will take you down. <clears throat> I'll tell you, God says they're seeking death that do that. <clears throat> they hope to find great treasures with little work and put their trust in a fleeting fantasy instead of God. And the point of this verse is that ill-gotten gain is a fleeting pleasure. I mean, it's just, it's, you think you're going, boy, I'm going to be rich. No, whatever you get will be quick to be gone. And it's a crime for whose punishment, for punishment is prepared for. I can promise you that. God is not going to play around. It says those who seek death, instead of obtaining the fortune, and the life that they hoped for. Liars and scammers are going to find that they're actually seeking death. And so God sees to it that they're going to lose everything. Amen. I thank God that I have a God in heaven that doesn't get scammed. I have a God in heaven that knows everything. He sees it all. He, he knows it all. And he can handle it all. Amen. So therefore, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I fear no evil, for thou art with me. Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. Thou preparest the table before me in the midst of mine enemies. My cup runneth over. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. And I'll dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Let's stand together. Amen. <clears throat> Praise the Lord. Be, do be careful in this world. Anytime you may think somebody's pulling a fast one on you, hang up. Just hang up. They can't come get you for hanging up. Hanging up, amen? 
Don't listen to that garbage. Don't fall for that stuff. Amen. Let's go to the Lord in prayer tonight. Let's ask God to guide us, take care of us, lead us to, to be us. Listen, you may be who God uses to help somebody else to avoid disaster in their life. You don't ever know. God may use you to be the voice of reason for somebody who's contemplating terrible decisions. Let God use you. You may you may you may think to yourself, and I and I often felt this way. Who in the world am I that God would ever do anything with me? And yet, you may be the very person that God is waiting to use to do something great in somebody else's life. Don't ever underestimate God by by looking at yourself. You can use anybody who's willing to be used. Let's let's seek that. Amen. Let's seek for God to use us and for our life to matter for His kingdom. All right, let's go to the Lord in prayer. We'll be dismissed.